Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 252, Chicken Little, The Pips and the Peaks. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. This is week number two of our Flying Fowl series, and we are going back in time to 2005, and Morgan and I were, not to throw us under the bus, but we were graduating that year. Yes. <laughs> yep. This was a thing. I barely remember. What were some of the, the main iconic things you remember about senior year 2005? Well, I obviously, one of the things was the Relay for Life which was like a 24 Uh, hour, I think we've talked about this before on the show before, but this was towards the end of senior year in the springtime. And it was a 24 hour walkathon where you had a team and you raised money for cancer research. And you always had to have one person on the track at all times, you know, walking. And so, you know, at the very beginning, people are all gung ho and they're running. And, and then, you know, in the wee hours of the night, you just have one lonely person for your team that's just walking and doing their thing. And I just remember it being in the morning when you were finally able to leave being so exhausted. Uh, don't, I, do I don't that. enjoy staying up all night, uh, but you know, there's the classic Morgan Chelsea moment where we were both on the track and we had one earbud in for each one of us. And we were listening to different Disney tunes from my iconic Disney playlist. I specifically remember singing want to be like you from the jungle book. And doing mm. the the riffing, the ooh ooh ooh, or the shabba bone, you know, where they they like rip back and forth. I remember doing right. that with you and having a good time with that. So yeah, that's definitely a core senior year memory for me. Uh, that was definitely a moment. It was an hour at like four in the morning, not even caring how loud we were, singing and riffing to the the soundtrack that nobody else can hear, and mm-hmm. that was who we were. So. Welcome to our senior life. Yep. (laughs) So we are going to take you back in time to 2005. Join with us. Let's fly. Let's fly. Come on, girls. Shake your tail feathers. Here we go. 
before we talk about the movie, I want to talk a little bit about Chicken Little. So Chicken Little is this famous children's fable. Um, It's the story of Chicken Little, The Sky is Falling, also known as Henny Penny. In the United States, we call it Chicken Little, but it's also known as Chicken Lickin'. It's just a European folktale that's just been around forever. And I read the story of Chicken Little, and it's very interesting because a lot of these characters that are in the movie are there. Chicken Little, actually, if you did not know, is a girl. And that's an important part about um, the making of this movie we'll talk about in a second. But Chicken Little is always a female, um, or also known as Henny Penny. The mom calls her Chicken Little because she was just a really tiny little hen. But Henny Penny is her name. And, you know, she has a whole bunch of friends. Rooster Booster, Ducky Chucky, Goosey Brucey, <laughs> and then there's Mr. Fox. You know, of course, just just Mr. Fox. And she gets hit on the head with an acorn and then go and says, hey, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And then runs in circles and then goes and tell all her friends. And they said, oh, no, you know, they all basically get worked up in this frenzy and they follow her along. Eventually, they come to Mr. Fox, who's licking his lips and is like, oh, OK, I, I'm excited for this. These are all animals that I like to eat. A rooster, a duck, a goose. Oh, there's Turkey Perky. And of course, Henny Penny. So, you know, takes him to his lair and then they're able to escape at the very end. And the mom is very happy that everyone's home and and they all lived. Literally, it says grateful that the fox had not eaten them and that the world was not ending because before this chicken little Henny Penny realizes, oh, it actually was an acorn all along. Um, Grateful that the world was not ending. Instead, they all lived happily ever after. So, you know, this is a, a interesting little little nursery rhyme very famous obviously but i feel like it's one that i wasn't as familiar with i remember hearing it right i mean all of these stories there's basically a reason or a moral of the story as far as like what they're trying to teach something to children not all of them obviously because some of them are really messed up (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um can't help but wonder why did they do a gender swap for going into this yeah, that's my main question. Why was there a gender swap? Was there a reason? Yes. So the reason they did the the gender swap is because this is at the end of the Eisner era. And, you know, at this point, Eisner had a bunch of hits under his belt, under the studio. And basically, the, Mark Dindle was told by the executive team that, hey, you need to change the character from a girl to a boy because girls will see a movie where the, a girl is the main character, but boys won't see a movie where a girl is the main character. So switch it to a boy because both boys and girls will see that movie. And then even he says later, well, that, that proved to be false, you know, with the hit <laughs> of frozen doing $1 billion. So that's the reason it was to appeal to a wider audience. Interesting. I mean, I just wonder if like the original reason, like, was this trying to be like, Hey, don't, don't run around saying the sky is falling if you don't know all the answers. And also don't go to foxes. Yeah, <laughs> basically, well, the... uh, foxes are always bad in these stories. They're so <laughs> everyone should know, don't trust a fox. They're foxy. I mean, we learned that with the bad guys, right? Even the fox in that one ended up being a bad guy. But really the moral of the story, you know, the term, which is iconic to this story is the sky is falling it's it's generally applied to people who are just unreasonably afraid or those who kind of are trying to fear monger or just mm-hmm. incite unreasonable fear around them. 
I right. definitely see examples of this in modern times. Um, I definitely do as well. Where people can use that and just work up, you know, people in their family or the masses just into this frenzy. Um, the sky mm-hmm. is falling. The sky is falling. There's lots of different things that we can put in for that, you know, in, in modern day times. And it, and it works. You see that Chicken Little, uh, Henny Penny, just through this one, uh, this was just, if she would have looked around and saw the acorn <laughs> and, and realized what had happened, it would have been fine. But instead of looking for the facts and looking for the evidence, just gets really in a frenzy and gets really worked up and then starts working everyone else up. Basically all of her foul friends. This is great that this is our foul <laughs> um, <laughs> series because there's lots of foul in this one. But so that's kind of the main, the main thing. Now in the movie, they, they add all these other layers to it, you know, with, with right. any penny chicken little, um, which we will talk about, which before we do there, Disney made another version of this. There's a 19. 19- 43 animated short. It was basically a World War II propaganda film at the request mm. of the U.S. government. And the whole purpose <laughs> was to discredit oh. Nazism. And while generally I'm not a huge fan of propaganda, I will say taking the Nazis down was a good use of time and a very <laughs> good use of studio resources. 100%. But still, like, it's interesting when you realize that this has always been done and so when you look at anything that's on television or on on theaters or anything, that's like, uh, was there CIA money in this? <laughs> you never know. I mean, you never know. Right. So always the government has always hands think. in lots of <clears throat> lots of pies. Yes. So in that version, Foxy Loxy studies Mein Kampf and then <laughs> goes to dimwitted Chicken Little and convinces him that the sky is falling and gets all the farmyard animals into this mass hysteria about this. And so that's basically what they're, the, the adaptation. Wow. Yeah. So, is. okay. So I, I need to watch it. Version, I have not watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would need to watch this as well. Uh, it, uh, I mean, based on what you just said, it, it says that Foxy Loxy reigns my comp and gets Henny Penny to go into a frenzy about something completely different, like not compared, but only to say, get everybody emotional. Yeah. He's just basically, he's manipulating everyone else and getting them all worked up in an unrelated thing for his own benefit. And basically the idea of the, this version is that fear monitoring weakens the war effort and ends up costing lives. So whether that is fear mongering by another government or media or whoever, um, it ends up hurting people in the end. I mean, I completely agree with that. If there's something in the media that is making you emotional, that's probably not the main problem. And so it is always best to take a step back and just see, was there Mm -hmm. an acorn that just hit me? Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Was this something else completely different (laughs) and non-related? So let's talk about the movie. So this movie was done by Walt Disney Animation Studios. This is actually the last Disney movie to be produced under the Walt Disney Feature Animation label before they moved over to Walt Disney Animation Studios as we know it. And I think Walt Disney Animation Studios is here to stay at this point. It's very established that, okay, now Mm -hmm. we have an animation wing, an animation studio, and this is what it's called. The director was Mark Dindle. Previously, he had done Cats Don't Dance, Emperor's New Groove, Chicken Little, and he is slated to be the director for an upcoming Garfield movie with Chris Pratt voicing the titular character. Release date, this was a winter release, November 4th, 2005. It was supposed to be a summer release, but it had, like all movies, it had a 
being bumped here and there. It was bumped from summer to November 4th. And budget estimated around $150 million. And box office in the U.S., it did $135 million. Worldwide, $314 million. So all in all, a success. Which, as I was reading through and studying up on this movie, I was very surprised. Because I just always had it in my mind. Chicken Little, kind of the worst of the worst. Such a flop. No good. But surprisingly, this movie did pretty well in the box office, you know, you know, made its money back. Um, and for the most part, other than critics, people seem to have enjoyed it at the time. Um, it was the second highest grossing animated film of the year, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Madagascar was number one. Mm -hmm. Other movies to be released in 2005 is Madagascar, Corpse Bride, Robots, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Hoodwinked. Valiant and probably some Land Before Time sequel. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. So did you see this one in theaters? I'm pretty sure I did. I don't remember my experience, but I do remember that I did not like it. <laughs> yes. I vaguely remember telling you that I did mm -hmm. not like it. Interesting. Yeah. So I was away at college when this had happened and I had a, a hard time adjusting to college, being alone, being by myself. And so at that point in time, I mean, really, do you think I was going to tell anyone like, hey, guys, do you want to go see Chicken Little? It just wasn't <laughs> right. going to happen. I do remember seeing the new Harry Potter film when it, that came out around November. But no, did not did not wrangle up the crew to go see Chicken Little. So this actually was the first time that I had ever seen this movie, just because in my mind, it was never good. It was kind of this embarrassment, this laughing stock, And I just was never interested in it. Um, it's kind of preschoolish in a way with the mm -hmm. characters and and you know the anthropomorphic town it's kind of set in this toontown environment and you have just the barnyard creatures i mean that's like classic preschool toddler stuff so right. it just never really appealed to me on a, a level that i really wanted to go out of my way and see it now speaking of the barnyard crew there's a local theater that does summer movies and for $3, you can go see kind of like these throwback films. And they're doing Babe. Oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to go. And I'm taking the kids. <laughs> that see, is a that's... barnyard film done right. <laughs> yes, I agree. If you want to come, you can come with us. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Even going back and, and watching this now, I wasn't that big of a fan. Mm -hmm. You can tell from the very beginning, they're trying to do the anti-fairy tale. Yes, they're trying to do the Shrek thing with the they're intro. They're trying to be Shrek. Yeah. Yes. Did you did that work for you? As I was watching it, did it not. I was like, Ugh. it was just kind of, uh, you know, they do they they have the Lion King intro. They're like, no, 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 that's bit that's done. Uh, and then they have the storybook intro. No, 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 that's been done. And it was just kind of like, then what are you like? Yeah. yeah, you're trying to make fun of what you aren't or what you don't want to be because it's all been done before. But what what are you trying to be? Yeah. And then the movie didn't really fall that tongue in cheek poking fun at you know movies like it they really had that intro and that was kind of it and then it just like moves on and becomes chicken little so that didn't work yeah there for really me. wasn't a lot of tie-in mm -hmm. at first it was the dad telling the story and he's like oh well, this is how it all worked out and it was like wait what why are you why do we care about your side of the story like even at the end because right. there really was no tie-in like that was one of my main issues is they didn't do right by the dad. They really didn't flesh him out. And I was really disappointed in that. Yeah. So they have the chicken little storyline throughout. And that's the beginning where 
he's ringing the bell and they throw it into this. And then it's a year later. He's trying to recoup. He's told recoup. He's just completely destroyed his reputation. And like, I have to figure out how to do this. So, okay. The dad's a widower. They have no mom. They have this relationship that's hard. They don't understand each other. They're just kind of making it work. But the, the way that they tried to fix the situation was just kind of been there, done that. And it didn't feel authentic. It was like, oh, well, you were the big baseball star. So yeah. if I become the big baseball star, then you'll finally see me for who I am. Even though you can totally tell, like, you guys are built totally different. You will never <laughs> be, right. you know what I mean? It's just, it's not meant to be. He's probably better with his brains or other things, you know, not saying that if you're not big and brawny, you can't be great at sports, but, you know, but then he does and he see, he has the big home run. He saves the day. And then like, yay, our relationship is solved, you know? And then later on when he does the, the sky and is falling again, it causes the dad to have that moment of like, do you believe me? Do you trust me? Right. And he doesn't. And it just, I didn't believe it. I didn't really care for it, which I like, I hate to be like bashing on this movie from the very beginning, but it was just, these are the things that I struggled with. I, I really struggled with that because I felt like the dad, there were moments where I felt like, I could have seen that both characters were struggling with their own things. And through projection, we can totally see something that's completely different from what Mm -hmm. is actually happening. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there's one moment where you have Chicken Little where he's looking at his dad being like, oh, you you don't trust me. You don't have faith in me, blah, 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 blah. But there should be a moment where you gave more validity or at least more compassion to the dad in his situation. Like he goes up to the picture of his wife and he's like, oh, you would have been so much better at this, which, okay, great. But they would have gone a little bit more into that. You would have Mm -hmm. been able to see these as two separate characters doing their own, living their own lives and having their own stories. But instead, you really just see that the dad is just this flip flopper guy who will bend at any bit of societal pressure, even Mm -hmm. if it means throwing his kid under the bus and making him seem like an idiot. Like, I just didn't appreciate that you didn't get both sides and you could have made the dad a lot more nuanced. Mm -hmm. And I understand that they're like, oh, you know, this is a kid's film. So, like, why try? And that's, I think, Mm -hmm. one of the main issues as to why people don't look at these films as being for everyone, except for, like, maybe Pixar. Well, it's really unfortunate because when I was reading through the Wikipedia, which I'll include on this and some other interviews, the director, Mark, he really was excited about this and he really was Mm -hmm. trying. And it seems like the original versions of the film were much different, you know, by having a girl character, he was really invested in that. And he really wanted the lead to be a female and it just wasn't, you know, wasn't really meant to be. And I think that was kind of above, he says, um, he expressed regret over the final version of the film saying, think, oh, that early version, I'm reconnected with what I'm thinking at the time. And you're thinking of how that version would have turned out if we had stuck with that instead of this. And we had pushed Eisner and said, it has to be a girl then it could have killed, meaning like it could have been great. Mm-hmm. With this, I wish I could see the alternate reality, what could have, what this movie could have been like. So it seems like he really got pushed in a direction that he didn't want to go. And this mm-hmm. poor guy, I mean, he was the director of Emperor's New Groove. So we all right. know about the troubled history of that film. You know, Cats Don't Dance was really, really great, but, you know, took a while to get there. Um, it's just like, oh, yeah, this poor guy he seems very talented, just kind of it could be very frustrating, I imagine, when, and I've talked to directors where just the suits 
and the executives, they really push because they think they know. And sometimes it's right. And a lot of the times, and sometimes it's not. And it's just really frustrating as a creative to be like, no, this is what I want. And really sticking your sticking to your guns. Like sometimes you do want to do that. Sometimes you don't. And so it seems like there was a, definitely a little bit of regret with what ended up happening and where they got where this ended up. So there's kind of like there's a chicken little storyline. Then there's the baseball subplot that ends around the midway point. Right. And then there's the alien storyline. And they really felt like three totally different things. Yeah. Like it felt like, hey, well, why is the sky falling? Oh, it's because there's aliens. And I vaguely remember that this had to do with aliens, even though I'd never seen it. I was like, there's something involved with aliens. And it just felt not cohesive, really weird, shoehorned in. I didn't like the aliens. And then the whole misunderstanding about the kid. I didn't buy it. Like it just, yeah, I didn't love it, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I I do wish that I could have. I'm looking at this. Okay. So part one, you have the sky is falling and dad doesn't believe me. Part two, I want to be a baseball player so that I can have a better relationship with my dad. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So you, it's, I can see how they're like trying to step by step kind of add on and then swing back to the actual, Oh, you were right all along. With yeah. the sky falling. So part three, okay, the piece of the sky is back now. And I'm saying this from, from Chicken Little's perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the piece of the sky is back now. I'm inside the spaceship with machines chasing me. I'm afraid to ring the bell because I don't want to disappoint my father again. And then part four, dad still doesn't believe me. But hey, there are aliens following me home. Also, did they just kill Foxy Loxy? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, she just like disappears. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. Okay. Next part is end of the world as we know it montage. Yeah. And then part six, you meet Ma and Pa alien and it's all a big misunderstanding. And then it jo- goes straight into the uh, like a mini movie retold on an epic scale. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I like in a that. Dance I like that better than <laughs> anything else in the movie. I thought that part was <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. And it hit it on the nose and the, the actor that played chicken little was really funny. Yeah. I loved it. And that was not, um, you know, it, we, we had to slog through quite a bit to get to that part. <laughs> we had to slog through. And then uh, of course the dance party with the cheetah girl singing, shake your tail feather. So <laughs> in a nutshell, that is the full story. And I agree with you in that there were different parts. And I feel like most of this was, they were trying to be funny and trying to make everything kind of an allusion to another movie and maybe you know throw in throwbacks to all these different things there's a moment where you have his friends singing wannabe from the spice girls which yeah. i thought was really funny because later on I'm, I'm looking at the dates and this is literally nine years that, yeah. that song came out nine years before this movie which is like that seems like dated why <laughs> Yeah. Why? I thought the same thing as I was listening. I was like, yeah, I like this song, but it just feels like a really dated reference for this movie. The the track listing was not for me. It didn't yeah. work. It wasn't cohesive. It just kind of felt really shoehorned in with a lot of a lot of pieces of this movie. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> but I just to put it in today's perspective, that would be kind of like having a movie and doing karaoke to Justin Bieber's baby and having Gen Z saying like, Oh wow. Uh, the songs of my youth, you know, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like that's basically <laughs> how it was when this movie came out. It was 
like a song that you and I remembered growing up with and now it's back like why (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah the track listing on their own I like a lot of these songs so don't be don't be throwing that out but together it was just kind of it did feel very mismatched Mm -hmm. you know another thing that I didn't really love was the voice of Chicken Little it was Zach Braff and he just felt very old like but apparently he tried to increase you know, his voice a little bit. So he's, it was a little more higher pitch. So he sounded like a teenager, but I didn't get the impression that these were teenage characters. I felt more elementary school and it it was just strange. It felt like an adult doing the voice of this character. That's clearly supposed to be little. And I didn't love that. The one thing I did love was Wallace Shawn as the principal. He has a very brief moment where he's yelling at the dad um, and it just total goofy movie vibes. You know, Goofy Movie, speaking of, is a really great example of how to do the father-son clash dynamic. I mean, in in a Goofy Movie, we never get the conflict that, like, the mom is gone. You know, they don't even Mm -hmm. go there. It's just like, this is our relationship. Um, Yeah. But I feel like the struggles... I mean, I can't. I gave gave that movie five out of five stars. I really can't say anything <laughs> bad about the movie. It's so good for me forever. And I, I re-listened that episode recently, and Mason gave it like three and a half. He's like, "Yeah, I just don't see it." I'm like, wow, <laughs> he never grew up with it. So I really think maybe nostalgia plays a big part. But I don't know. It is a major cult classic. Um, yeah, it's so good. But I just I like the father son relationship a little bit more. Not a little bit more. Significantly more. Um, there's a lot more at stake. There's you know, it's developed better. It, it doesn't. Yeah. They just kind of like wrapped it up in a bow. Like, yay, you're the, you're the star. And then later, oh, well, you, I'm, I'm still not going to believe you. You know, it just. Eh. Well, they never made Goofy look like he was apathetic toward his son's plight. Yeah. Goofy was always just, he just had his own viewpoint on how it fixed for him. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to treat Max the way that he had been treated and worked for him. And. While in this one, like the dad who, I mean, played by Gary Marshall, whom I love. I love mm-hmm. Gary Marshall's voice. Like, he, and he, he is a person like he's so fun to like watch and may he rest in peace. I just feel like that character, he defaulted to my son is never first and society looking at me is always first. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. And you don't, you're never cheering for the dad you're actually thinking what a jerk like you're just gonna throw your son out like that like i said if they they could have made him a better uh more conflicted father if they would have gone a little bit deeper into his reasonings and and still made it seem like to him he's trying to save his son as opposed to save himself yep he had his he needed to go to therapy (laughs) he still had (laughs) a lot of issues (laughs) (laughs) right i was I mean, going through this, there's different moments that make you happy, like different voice actors when they show up. I'm just very happy always. Gary Marshall's a great voice. You have Patrick Warburton as the alien cop at the mm-hmm. very end, which I'm like, nice. Nice to hear him. from you. Like they, <laughs> I know. Nice to Harry hear. Shear, uh, like Harry Shearer, who was the dog announcer at the game and I'm just listening to this and I'm like, Oh wait, that's the newscaster from the Simpsons and like mm. 20 other characters on the show. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Simpsons vibes pulled out straight. And, uh, who else was on this that I really liked? I mean, Patrick, 
Patrick Stewart. Who doesn't love Patrick Stewart? So it's like there's a lot of the voice cast in this that is just like, I approve. You know, I'm looking at Patrick Warburton's. Why did I say that so strange? Warburton. (laughs) I'm looking at Patrick Warburton's IMDb. And I'm just honestly really shocked that he's not in more things. He does like a ton of voice work for video games and and movies, Uh TV shows. But I don't know. I feel like he should be a bigger guy than he is. Bigger, (laughs) like, presence. (laughs) You know, what it shows you're known for Emperor's New Groove in 2000, which obviously that's probably that and the the boyfriend in Seinfeld are are his two most popular roles, right? Um, Also, the the B movie, Get Smart. Men in Black 2. These are from 2007, 2008, 2002. I'm just like, ah, you clearly peaked, and I, I wish you hadn't. My favorite oh, yeah. is when he's at California Adventure. They had soaring over California, and he mm-hmm. was the guy who gives you the instructional video on basically what to expect and how to fasten your seatbelt. And right, he's the pilot. <laughs> and it's just so great. I love him. <laughs> I love how on his IMDb it's the tick picture a, of him. A picture like... of him dressed as the tick. I'm like, wow, okay, nice. <laughs> all right i mean i i don't want to go through this movie and just be like i hate it which i I, same this isn't too far from the truth but it's still like there's just major issues that i feel like okay what could have happened like what could have changed to make this movie a little bit more to hit home a little bit better no aliens okay drop the aliens storyline because it it didn't work it felt weird i wasn't a fan it did feel like disconnected from the original story. Right. The, the, the original story doesn't try to come up with an actual reason that the sky is falling because the whole reason before the moral of the original story is to show that Chicken Little, Henny Penny, actually was wrong. Mm-hmm. Worked up a whole group of people with something that wasn't even true. And I don't feel that that's the moral of the story. The moral of the story was that he's right and you need to believe him. And that's fine if you want to change it that way, but it just... Okay, like <laughs> it, it doesn't hit home the same for sure. Yeah, I mean there are aliens apparently now, according mm. to different sources that have been coming out since two thousand two. Um, <laughs> it's like okay, whatever. But yeah, that's I. I think that even if they kept the aliens, it would it really would have just been a lot better had I not disliked the dad so much. And I yeah. feel like that's yeah. also a hard thing that. When you have a story that doesn't, when you have a story that doesn't create familial cohesiveness, at the very end, they are friends and they get mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. okay, all forget, like all is forgiven. And we're, we're now best friends kind of, and we're now watching a movie because the movie is now about us and it's going to be epic because uh, it is epic, but there's no forgiveness. Like I can't forgive mm-hmm. the dad and I want to forgive the dad. So right. I guess that's my main issue. And also, like, this town is crazy. <laughs> this kid is supposed to be, like, what, 10? And they are completely, <laughs> a year later, are still being like, uh-oh, the kid, that kid who rang the bell that one time, stay away from him. Like, how this kid, this kid is going to definitely have a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so there's this really great YouTube channel, which Chelsea and I talk about and watch all the time. Her name is Abby Emmons. And she is a writer and she's written different stories and books. And, but she does really great analysis videos on hashtag the science of story. So she has a series where she breaks down different movies or famous books and breaks down the science of why those stories work. And 
whenever she is analyzing something, she breaks it down to these three or a few questions. The first one is, what is the character's internal conflict? What does he want and what is he afraid of? And I feel like the internal conflict for this, the way that it's presented to us, is that he is telling the truth and no one believes him. Mm-hmm. And what does he want? He wants people, he wants to regain his reputation and wants to be believed, right? Uh-huh. And he's afraid of, you know, embarrassing his dad and, and kind of being an embarrassment to his dad and not being believed again, right? And then right. next question is, what is the character's clear goal? Yeah. Does he have a clear goal? Like, why does this goal matter to him? I can't so, really answer that question very well. The other clear than goal I, was to, I need to vindicate get my back name. with his dad mm-hmm. to like to have his dad trust him or slash like look well on him mm-hmm. to impress his dad. So that's his goal. But that doesn't it's that seems completely separate from the actual rising action and like his problems. Yeah. What is the character's fatal flaw and how does he overcome it through the story? I don't, there's not a fatal he flaw. He doesn't have a fatal flaw. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem like he's just, he is what he is. He's good. He's telling the truth. No one believes him. So anyways, just some ideas of things like when you're, she does this analysis of how to write a strong female character who isn't toxic and annoying, which I was <laughs> right. that the original name of, um, I feel like she changed this. It used to be called Why Everyone Loves Black Widow and Hates Captain Marvel. But she yeah, totally that's what it used to be. Yeah, she totally changed this, um, which is interesting to me. I wonder why she she did so. But hey, it's totally fine. So she really breaks down the character of the Black Widow and the character of Captain Marvel and, you know, just the different backstory and, and their goals. And it, she does a really, really great job. So I'll include a link to that yeah. in the show notes. But I feel like whether you're analyzing a movie or whether you're writing a movie, Really, it goes back to character and story. Um, yeah. There was a review that Ebert and Roper had done. They gave it two thumbs down. And in in the review, he had even said, I don't really care whether it's CGI, 2D, whatever. I, it all comes back to a good story for me. And that's really mm-hmm. the reason this movie didn't work out. And so let's talk about the animation. The animation really felt very dated, oh, even gosh. more so than... This came out 10 years after Toy Story, but and, and Toy Stories does feel dated, but because the story is so good, you overlook it and you don't care. Right. But this one from the very beginning scene, like it just felt like kind of like cheap kids animation that you would see today. Like, you know, that there's it's so easy to make easy in quotes animated films nowadays. You know, there's all this like software that's available and, and people can do it and um, you can do it on much smaller budgets, but sometimes it still doesn't look very good. And this kind of felt like that. And this really was Walt Disney Animation Studios first full attempt at CGI, a full uh-huh. CGI movie. They had done Dinosaur before, but that animation, I mean, they had live action backgrounds and the animation actually wasn't done in house. It was done by a different studio. And Eisner really was pushing like because of DreamWorks and Pixar that CGI is the way. So they spent, there was this grueling 18 month session where they taught all the animators how to animate and CGI. And that's fine, you know, and I'm not expecting greatness, but when the story really struggles, you know, you do notice the animation as well. It's just, I didn't love just like the generic Toontown town yeah. um, with just the anthrop- various anthropomorphic characters. I don't know. I know that's the story where there's all these different, you know, turkey lurkey and all these things. Right. It just didn't work for me. It just I didn't feel invested in this community, in this story, in these characters, 
even they tried to make Foxy Loxy the bad girl, if you will, just because she was just kind of aggressive and really good at baseball. And she was kind of she was mean to him in the class. But I would have preferred like going back to traditional. Let's have the fox be the bad guy instead of the you yeah. know, like, oh, it's the aliens. Right. OK, two two things that just came up. One is that they're a huge portion of their budget went to just them being able to put Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie sequence at the very beginning. You have the water tower ball, like going mm-hmm. through this, the theater. Like yeah. they, they spent a lot of money in order to get this film from Paramount in their big movie budget. Like, like yes. what are you doing? Like, it was uh, funny. Was- I actually kind of liked that, but totally random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely random. And then the other side is the fact that Foxy Loxy, like they change her completely at the end and they're like no 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 let her stay this way because she's so she's perfect like that's so weird that would never Mm -hmm, fly today mm -hmm. yeah yeah man poor chicken little man (laughs) the fact that this is even a disney movie is shocking to me like it really it's when you think of the down time like the down bad years of disney you you think of the Black Cauldron. I definitely think of Chicken Little. Man, this mid-decade mm-hmm. time for some of the, you know, every 20 years you have a lull. So it was like 2005, 1985, oh, 1965. Gosh, yeah. You know, not really because that's right before Jungle Book came out. I wouldn't consider Jungle Book to be like a, a lull. But those are the two that I think of is the Black Cauldron and Chicken Little. And it's actually interesting because by the time Meet the Robinsons comes around, animation looks so much better. Story yeah. had gotten significantly better. I do believe that John Lasseter had come over, you know, the, the Pixar acquisition. Eh, maybe not. Um, I was right. So it during production, uh, John Lasseter became chief, chief creative officer for Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. And so that happened around 2006. This movie, Meet the Robinsons, came out 2007. And so he was able to help um steer that boat. Yeah, he didn't like the villain. He was able to, you know, cha- make some changes. And I think. Ten months later, almost 60% of the film had been scrapped and redone. Villain had been remade. And yeah, and I think having a creative like that really does help make a movie. And it seems like Meet the Robinsons, the way that it was going, could have been not so great. But Lasseter came and really helped it. And too bad if that couldn't have happened just a few years prior. It would have been interesting to see, okay, Lasseter is here. Eisner is gone at this point um, because Eisner left around 2005-ish. So basically, this is the last Eisner (laughs) giving, hey, like, hey, here, Mark, here's what you wanted to do with it. But also you have the genius of Lassiter. And here's what here's what I see and changes I want to make. What what Chicken Little could have been? You know, it's interesting. They were going to make a Chicken Little sequel. It was really it was already story had been written and ready to go. And it was more focusing on. Oh, it was kind of like a love triangle between Abby Mallard. And there was a new French sheep who was involved. Oh, gosh. Um, and, and Abby goes to great lengths to give herself a makeover and whatnot. Apparently it was somewhat well received in the early screenings, but then Lasseter came in and he really shut off all sequels um, for the studio. Just, he, mm. he just really wanted to focus on, on story and quality, which I'm fine. I, I you know, I, I know we've said this before and you know, there's that the one person on our Instagram who really, really is just pushing <laughs> for the, the chicken little sequel but I think that has had its time in the sun. I just don't think in today, you know, first off, Lasseter kiboshed it, right? And so uh-huh. bringing it back would be another thing. I, I think since Lasseter, there really hasn't this big been this big push for these sequels um, per se. Uh, I can't really say that because, you know, Pixar's come out with a whole bunch of sequels since then. 
uh, Frozen 2, <clears throat> excuse me. But as far as the direct-to-video sequels, really they've gone and they've really hit the live-action remakes more so. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like there isn't really the demand at this point in time in 2022 for the Chicken Little 2 sequel. It just, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, it's, it's just not there. And that's okay. You know what? That's okay. <laughs> I'd like to go back to, uh, you're talking about the story and like the evolution of the character. And I, it kind of actually reminds me of when we were talking about our montage songs. And even though I, when I was watching the original montage and this was when he was trying to prepare for the baseball game, I didn't realize this until we, we went over all the montages and uh -huh. I was trying to figure out, okay, why does one use a montage? What is the purpose story-wise? The montage song is a key point in showing the progress of the main character on his or her way to their main goal. And because we didn't really have a solid main goal that led to the final ending, like the montage is, is weak. Everything about the story is just weak because they're so disconnected. And the character himself doesn't take things into his own hands in order to solve their main problem. Their main problem in this way, you could mm -hmm. say it's him trying to get, you know, having that closure with his dad and having that conversation. But it still doesn't like connect yeah. well enough. I don't know. I can see how you can in, in the creation process, you could have told yourself, no, this is the this is the the part of the story that solves this question. Right. And I can see how right. they, they could have thought that, but it just didn't come across. It didn't didn't connect, which is you, you do your best. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a variety of things that just didn't come yeah. together well enough to make this film work. And unfortunately, it wasn't just one thing or two things. It seems to be <laughs> I mean, yeah. nearly everything, unfortunately. So, hey, but nonetheless, it was successful at the time. And I guess that's kind of what they care about. <laughs> You know, obviously you would like a bigger, uh, you know, you, you they love to make franchises out of things. Um, this wasn't going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> watching Chicken Little, I'm glad that I got this under my under uh, my belt now. I can say that I have seen it and have an opinion that's truly my own. Now, OK, so I, I just feel so bad whenever we review these movies and it's kind of like we're bashing on it, but we're just discussing. And unfortunately, this episode has been more of the negatives, but it's something to learn from. So. One thing that we that I used to do in my old job was at the end of a project, okay. or if we did like a product launch or just a marketing campaign, we would do kind of a, a recap and we would talk about the pits and the peaks. So I want to do that with you. What is your pit, meaning pit, meaning the worst of the worst, you know, so in like this project, like what was something really bad that happened? Um, let's just talk about it, make sure people are aware of it. And what was a peak? You know, just like let's highlight the highs and the lows. So for you, what was a pit? For Chicken Little and a peak. Well, let's start with the peak. You had a great voice cast. Many of the issues that might have come up were probably at least suppressed because you you just had a good voice cast that felt like they actually cared and wanted to be there. And mm -hmm. I think that was a huge part of it. And then another peak, I would say, is definitely your you know the ending sequence of them going into the the new movie, like, Oh, this is amazingly accurate. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I liked that one. <laughs> I kind of felt like the pit story was basically, I wanted the dad to be vindicated a little bit more because in this one, the dad really is the villain, but mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. not redeemed at all. I don't think that all villains should be redeemed, but 
when it's the dad and you're trying to redeem him, I just don't feel like it worked. So that was probably one of the main issues that I had with that. And then also the lack of cohesion from one story point to another. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the pit was, it just all goes back to story and characters. Um, I didn't resonate with them. I didn't care for them very much. The peak, I mean, I know I said I didn't love it. So I guess that's a bad side if that's the peak for me. <laughs> but the different elements where they were trying to be tongue in cheek and really funny, um, like that intro was, uh, I can't even say the intro was a peak. Like <laughs> it, would have, it would have been a peak if they would have continued on with that and really had fun at the fairy tale genre and poked a lot of holes in some of these things and, yeah. and turned it on its head, but they didn't do that. So that was a potential peak. Or if they would have like did. made the dad tell the story better because mm-hmm. they had him telling the story at the beginning and they didn't really have him telling the story at the end. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to do that where it's like, Oh, we have this narrator. And then it's like an Aladdin where initially right. it's the, uh, the peddler and then, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> We're not, we, we don't, it's too confusing to go back to that. Right. So I guess the peak would be the, the fake version of the chicken little movie that we see at the end. That's the version of the movie that I rather would have seen. (laughs) Ah, Good times. So, okay, Chelsea, with that, what would you rate it? I'm going to give it two stars. I didn't think that any of the gags really hit me as funny. I don't feel like I I genuinely laughed at all when Mm -hmm. I was watching Mm -hmm. this. Any of the gags that came, I felt like I mentally acknowledged that you were trying to be funny. You know, Mm -hmm. but it just Mm -hmm. wasn't funny to me. Uh, The story didn't have anything that made me want to keep watching. That was one of the main issues. I didn't feel like there was a, 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 I want to see how you're going to solve this problem that you've gotten yourself into. Because that's generally how a, a real story starts is you have your crucial flaw that throws you into a, a series of events. You now have to solve your own personal flaw in order to get yourself back out of it. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why we end up watching is like, oh, how are they going to do this? And then the themes were not really thought out. I just didn't feel like that. Uh And then Chicken Little was the only character that we knew the motivations for, but I just really didn't care. It was pretty selfish reasoning. I mean, obviously everyone cares about themselves and you really do want to redeem yourself, but it could have been if he had sacrificed, you know, him being right for something like a greater good. Uh, And I hate using that phrase, but for something greater or bigger than him, like the, the society or someone else and, and like maybe being okay, being the liar or, or not necessarily having to be redeemed. Uh, Everyone wants a redemption arc, but you know, that could have been something different or unique that would have made it a little different, but yeah. So I also am going to give it two stars as I was watching it just very from the very beginning. You know, they do this in media res where after this fake, like, what kind of intro are we going to do? Psych. Okay. They just throw us into it. You know, that's kind of interesting, but it's really hectic uh-huh. and throws you in to this. And you're trying to see like, who are these characters? I'm getting used to the animation style and this and that. And I was watching that thinking like, where, what, it, what is this? And where is this going? And then it just it felt almost like three or four different movies, just the tone and the way that they handle different things, little vignettes, you know, there's the baseball, like you said, you broke it down into like all these different parts 
Uh, they could have been parts of a TV show almost, you know, different episodes of yeah. the Chicken Little series. But So, yeah, two stars. Didn't love it. Don't need to watch it again. Uh, didn't introduce my children to this, uh, thankfully so, because <laughs> I don't want them to enjoy it and like it and then request it all the time. So good on me for watching it. But thank you, Disney Plus, for allowing me to uh, watch it with my subscription. I appreciated that, but I'm very excited for our next Fowl <laughs> series, which will be The Swan Princess 9 and The Swan Princess 10, which that's not what they're called. It's called The Swan Princess Kingdom of Music and Swan Princess A Royal Wedding, which first when I was... Wait, I'll, I'll tell that next time. I'll tell my story about Swan oh, Princess God. 10 when the time comes. <laughs> so those will be really fun. We will include links so you can watch those videos. They're available on Amazon Prime where you can rent them. Guys, I know you're like, wait, but I didn't see I didn't see two through eight or for most people. Maybe it's like I didn't see four through eight. Like, how am I going to keep up? Trust me, you will. <laughs> I highly recommend watching these ones, renting them. We'll include links in the show notes where you can rent those because these are ones you just got to see and Chelsea <laughs> has seen them and we will be recording those very soon and I'm excited to hear <laughs> her thoughts but hopefully it's a, a bit livelier of a discussion a little bit more a little more meat to the bone if you will <laughs> which is like so ironic that you're gonna be <laughs> hoping for more meat on a bone in the swan princess nine <laughs> and ten <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. The but here we are, little. you know. Here we so. are. <laughs> Good times. Grab your chicken leg. Let's go. <laughs> no, give me a swan drumstick. Come on. <laughs> here we go. It's true. All right. Well, until next time, guys. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening.